Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast, because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Very good Friday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value Junior Podcast, brought to you by We Are Cavan. For today's show, we've a very mixed bag of stuff. We're going to be talking... A hot topic in the GEA world as Glenn and Crooks go head to head, um, or maybe not go head to head. Time will tell. It could be in the in the courtroom by boards on the football field. Um, we'll be looking back over the weekend's action as Cavan ladies got their uh, little ladies national football league campaign on their way. We'll hear from manager Jerry Moen after the defeat to Armagh, and uh, we'll hear from the Cavan manager Mickey Graham um, ahead of the. Opening round of the Alliance National Football League this Sunday, Cavan against Westmead. And in fact, before we bring in Paul Fitzpatrick, we'll go to the Cavan manager. So let's hear from Mickey Graham. So delighted to be joined by the Cavan senior football manager, Mickey Graham, ahead of the Alliance National Football League Division 3 campaign, getting on the way this Sunday afternoon in Mullingar against Westmead. I suppose, Mickey, it's a, it's a tough start. Is it, is it an opportunity for revenge or retribution from the Talchin Cup, or what way are you looking at it? Um, I know we wouldn't say it'd be, we're looking for revenge. I think, you know, the start of every year, you're just looking to go out in your first game and, and find out where you are, where you're at and looking to put in a performance. And hopefully that performance is good enough to get a result. But as you said, it's a tough opening game. Anytime you go to Mullingar or anytime you play Westmead, it's always tough. There's very little between both of us when we come up against each other. But look, at it's, it's great to be back and it's great to see the start of the National League and great excitement and energy about the place. Yeah, definitely. You you know, obviously, a fair bit about Westmead. You know, familiar yeah. enough foes, and and they look like they've kind of gone with a strong hand. Particularly, well, definitely in the second game of the O'Boran Cup. So they're probably closer to full tilt than Cavanagh. Yeah, look, they seem to have retained a lot of the the squad from last year, and obviously, you know, there'd be a bit of momentum coming off the back of that Talchin Cup win. They were away in a team holiday as well. So, you know, it'll be great. Um, they'd be looking forward to getting up and running again and, as I said, carrying that momentum. So, look, as I said, it'll, 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 be, uh, it'll be a tough game. As I said, first game of the National League is always very cagey. Teams are still trying to find out where they're at and, and you know, don't want to give up too, too many easy opportunities, as the fellas says, when they come along and just try and get off to a winning start and build momentum as early as possible, Damien. What were the learnings... <laughs> coming into this game that you can take from the Talchin Cup final? Ah, look, we would have learned a lot. We've been disappointed more so than, than uh, more so on our own uh, performance than anything else. You know, a lot of aspects of our game that we tried to implement on the day, it didn't come off and we were still in the mix coming up the home straight without maybe probably playing to the best of our ability, but that's not taken away from Westmead. They deserved it on the day. So, you know, we, we would have been disappointed with our performance. Uh, we know that we didn't uh, get up to the levels that we could, and I suppose that was the most disappointing. But look, at as I said, we learned from that, and, you know, we know exactly what we need to do and go about doing it. There's been a few injuries, obviously, throughout the, the McKenna Cup. We haven't seen regular starters like Killian... The Gunner, um, Jason McLaughlin, Grode McKeon, and James Smith, Paddy Lynch. There's, there's, there's quite a, a a long injury list. Any of them available for this weekend? Yeah, look at a few of them have started uh, started to make their way back uh, to full fitness. We'd be hoping to have a number of boys back. Obviously, there's still two or three lads. Um, James and Garod will be will be doubtful for this weekend. I'd say you know. Probably game has come too soon, but you'd be hoping maybe you know after this weekend you might see them the following weekend. But the other lads are starting to you know get back to full fitness. So every week yeah, as it goes by, you'd be hoping to get a body or two back, and hopefully in a few weeks' time we'll meet, we'll have a full squad to pick from. But look, it's an opportunity for other players now to step up to the mark and, as I said, maybe stake a claim on on the starting fifteen. So you know while while we're maybe down a few bodies, you know it's obviously a great opportunity for other lads too for for them to step up and and maybe you know stake a claim for, for um, getting a start and place on the team and maybe over the next number of games as well. 
Yeah, and that opportunity throughout the McKenna Cup was was grabbed with both hands by a number of of newcomers, a lot of debutantes. I I think I make it. You, you might have given out nine new debutantes um, throughout the McKenna Cup. So it's um it it, it it's positive that you've fresh blood coming in that are are making an impact. Yeah, look, it's always important to bring um, fresh fresh faces in every year because you know to bring an energy and enthusiasm and. It just keeps everybody on their toes and there's a great honesty about the lads that have come in and, you know, they're really positive and, you know, they're not in just to make up the numbers. They want to take a claim, which is which is great. And the lads that have been around a number of years, you know, feed up that energy and it's and it's great. And, you know, you just have to give them time as well. There's some, a lot of them new to inter-county football and it takes time to acclimatise, but few of them are really acclimatising very quickly to, to the senior game and at the same time still developing. So, you know, we don't want to expect too much of them too soon, but they're definitely going in the right direction, which is a positive, you know. Yeah, looking at the Division 3, there was comments last year that Division 3 looked like it was a, a weak sort of Division 3. There's definitely no shortage of strong teams. It's going to be a hell of a battle. So, you know, a, a win on Sunday would be a big, big statement by Calvin. Yeah, look, as I said, I think a lot of teams in Division 3 uh, will take points of each other as the, as the league goes on. It usually takes two or three games before a pattern starts to develop and you see the teams maybe hitting a bit of form. So um, there's going to be no easy games. A lot of the teams there would be familiar with each other. You look at even just ourselves, Antrim, Fermanagh and Down, you know, four Ulster teams there and then Longford, our neighbours too, very familiar with. So, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of familiarity, a lot of uh, rivalry there. So it makes for a competitive Division 3 and one that, um, you know, you need to get points on the board as early as possible or, you, you know, You'll be you'll be struggling to probably get up to where you need to get to come the end of the league, and if you, if you didn't get results early on, you could find yourself in a dogfight just to stay in the division. So it's hugely important the first few games, but at the same time, you know you just have to take it game by game and see see where 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 it gets you. I suppose a, a difficult one for you if you're a gambling man. Who's who's the who's the odds on favour to go up? I look at you probably looking at the moment. If you looked at the division three, you're probably staying down or the form team at the moment. And then Westmead coming off the back, so they're probably the two teams that are probably tipped to probably get promoted. And then you know, but as I said, it's a it's a competitive it's a competitive division. League football can be strange sometimes. Um, some teams, you know, could be you know late start, and other teams might have been back earlier and probably have a, an edge in fitness. So as I said, I mean, it'll take a couple of games before you you see a pattern developing. But you, you'd imagine down and Westmead are probably the top two teams at the moment in that division that would be you know. Uh, tip to probably get promotion out of it. Yeah, well, look, a very best of luck. We'll chat to you after the game. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks, Damien. Thank you. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead, and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family owned and family run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. So if you want to listen to the full preview of the Allianz National Football League Division 3 campaign, um, Paul caught up with Kevin Egan. That's over in the Die Hard service. And then myself and Paul looked ahead to the Cavan Westmead game and the overall league and Cavan's chances in that league over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan. So full preview over on our Die Hard service. Um, Paul, we'll, we'll start off, I suppose, with Cavan ladies opening round defeat at the hands of Armagh last Sunday in Drumlane. They're a team in a wee bit of transition at the moment. Um, you know, I think there was three debutantes. Um, the two goals really killed them in a game that they kind of sounded like they were competitive in, but never looked like winning. Yeah, it wasn't at the game, Damien, but I did get a good report on it from, from Mickey. He covered it. Uh, yeah, I think transition is, is fair enough to say with this Cavan Ladies team. Like, they've lost a lot of talent. Like There was a uh, Cavan under 16 ladies team who reached an All Ireland final in around 2003, I think it was, and lost it to Galway. And there were so many players came off that team that backboned that golden generation, the Ashley Dunans and Brona Sheridan's and players of that ilk. And a lot of those players are gone now. 
And we're, I know Ashley has gone a couple of seasons, but one by one, a lot of them have stepped away. I think Sinead Green might have stepped away this year as well. Uh, so a lot of the, the sort of constants on that team uh, are no longer the constants. So really there's an awful lot of uh, very young players in it. There's other players who might, might not fully found their feet at county level who are now asked to step up and play leadership roles in the group as well. So it is a team very much in transition and and uh, I suppose they learned the hard way against Armagh that, that, that you get punished at that level for mistakes. But um yeah it was a tough it was a tough opener I suppose. You, you come up against the two Mackin sisters that like they're they're absolutely superb. Mm. Two of the best inter county female footballers in the country. Um in general, Armagh are a very good side. Talking to Mickey Brennan, he was saying that probably the difference between the sides was the ability to kick the ball. Um, you know that, that Armagh could turn a kick out into a score in in ten fifteen seconds. Um, whereas Cavan, it, it was very much a running game, and that's a confidence issue. Maybe with, with players that they just have to get used to each other, know where the other player is moving to, know when they can kick the ball and, and know that they have enough time on the ball to kick the ball and maybe adjusting their own game in that. But there is a lot of underage calibre, a lot of quality, a lot of All-Irelands even. If you take Loretto College, if you take Cavan under 14 team, the likes of Christina Charters getting a debut at the weekend. These are all positives in terms of that the quality of the player coming through is of a high standard. It's just about them getting used to the standard. Yeah, you'd imagine so. It should be like it definitely should be. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why Cavan ladies haven't made a big breakthrough before now because there's just wave after wave of talented young players coming through from the Red Oak. It actually makes me wonder a little about the standard of of uh, schools football and uh, ladies football because the Red Oak have been so dominant. I think they're after winning their fifth Ulster on the twenty eighth title in a row there. That uh, a couple of days ago, like they obviously won the under 16 All Ireland last year, they've been absolutely brilliant, they're very well prepared, they have a great setup there. And like you'd imagine, like, that's such a good setup that that should be starting to bear fruit with the seniors already, but it's not. So maybe, maybe you have to question the schools. And I, I, I would imagine that the schools football is a very high standard. I don't think it's that, but something you have to question something because there's something just not happening right there. Is it management? Is it is it uh, that the structure's not there to bring the players through? Yeah. You know, there's, some, there's something not happening because definitely the raw materials are coming through. And it, like, if you were to translate that over to the men's side, like if you, if you had that sort of success, if we had five McCrory Cups in a row, like, like yeah. it would have come through by now. It would have come through. We, we, we certainly wouldn't be, be, we definitely would, would be out of Division 2 at this stage, which the Cavaliers have been. I wouldn't be in relegation playoffs in the, in the All-Ireland Championship uh, a few times in recent years, so you have to hand it to the to the a lot of the players there who have been, been there through thick and thin. Like a lot of the players that have stuck it out, like Nasa Board is captain on the team again. Sean Lynch, you know there. There's a lot of very dedicated players like that, but you have a lot of young players coming in there as well. Like even looking on the on the subs bench the last day, like you had Ashley Doughty, who's played with Virginia College. They won an Ulster under twenty C title last year. She was brilliant on that team. You've got players coming in like that. They're just out of school, like uh, Catherine O'Hearn. I think she was just out of minor. Um, she started. So there's probably there's probably a gulf there between the older players. Kira Brady was actually making her debut, even though she's the Lorgan captain and, and very experienced. That was her debut with the Cavan ladies. So I'd imagine she would slot in very well there because she's an outstanding club player. But um, yeah, transition. I think he summed it up at the start. I can't sum it up any better than that. Yeah, I think I, I think. Like Ashton Shorten in that full forward line, um, Nasa Board and Shauna Lynch and Elaine Walsh. There's, there's players like that 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 have a good bank of experience, but yet they're not old. They're still mid twenties. So overall, well, Elaine Walsh might be yeah a little bit older. I'd say she is probably the oldest player on the team at the minute. But outfield, it's very much a young team, and it's it's something that. It's it, it. You look at Nasa Board and Sean Sean uh, Lynch, and you say, you know, they've been there a long time, but they're they're still very young in terms. Of, well, it's not not very young, but still young enough that I don't think they've hit their peak yet. So mm-hmm. it's it. I think it's something that that you're right. There's so there is something missing in the terms of the underage quality of player that is being produced 
to translate up into senior. There, there is a gap there. There should be the confidence, like Christina Charters, All Ireland winning captain. How many how many players are on the team from that on the fourteen All Ireland winning success, and how many players are on the team that have All Ireland medals in the back pocket with Loretto and 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 Cavanaugh are sixteen. So th- there is a lot of success there. It's just about maybe just filling that gap, as you said, but. Look, let's hear from the uh, the cabin manager, Jerry Moan. He spoke to Mickey Brennan after the game. Jerry, uh, I suppose your initial thoughts after that loss here against Armagh today? You're always disappointed when you lose a game in the first game of the league. You have all a disappointment, but then you have to take a stand back and take a look at you know with some massive positives in the first half. There was ample opportunities. We had a couple of goal chances in the first half. Executed them, probably it was a different game. And probably look back at the second half. We were all just fearful if they got a, a purple patch with the experience they have. You know, and if a couple of mistakes, a couple of ball gave away, and they punished us, and they were going to be clinical. And that's probably what the difference was. They were clinical when they had the ball in key areas in the forward lane. They punished us a big time, and probably we weren't clinical when we had the chances in the first. We weren't clinical, and then I suppose when they got that. Got on top of the second half, the, the punished us, and there's no way back for us. To be quite honest, I suppose you mentioned the word experience there, and and it is a transitional time for this Cavan team. A lot of debutants there as well from the subs bench as well as starting today. I think you had three starters that were um, uh, debutants. Not only that, but practically a full new backline as well. So and defensively, you were pretty good today. Well, I suppose when you start doing that in any sort of a new team, you're going to have to look at you must defend well. That's that's the bedrock of anything you do. If you don't defend well, well, you're going to be in for a long day, a long day on the sidelines. So your basics, you have to get that basics right. So I suppose maybe there's maybe a bit more time in the short period is making it trying to get it defensively right. So um, it's trying to get that transition right. And I suppose trying to get that ball as quickly as you can to the full forward lane. There's a bit of work to do there yet, but that, that, that'll come with some serious young talent about. And it's going to take time, time. You have to be patient. You have to give players time. And you have to give them time, game time. You're never going to get this experience unless you play football and you play at this level. And that's the level we want to play at. Like Armagh will be favourites to, you know, they've been knocking about for five, five, six years thinking, well, we should be in Division 1. And I suppose they were beat last year in the league final in Crow Park with Kerry. Could pull one on them and, and, and they didn't get up. So their, their determination is to make sure they get out, get to Division 1. And I suppose they've been together a long time. Like they've some serious, experienced players. They always, they always bring in one or two players that you day again, but they're experienced cores there. We probably have our spine is probably with a lot of a lot of young players, a lot of very talented players, but it takes time to bed them in and, and you not get experience unless you play games. So thankfully with seven games and six games to look forward to I'm sure the plan would be to meet them again. But nice to meet our man Crow Park, wouldn't it? Yeah. Disappointed from Jerry there, obviously he he's disappointed. I think he by the sounds of it, the game I wasn't at it myself. Um, it clinical. It it was that that word, and he uses it repeatedly there. You know, being punished when you don't take your chances. They had chances in the first half and just didn't quite take them. So, again, that's that's just a lesson to be learned. And I think that, in fairness, they they will learn and they will improve on it. But I, I funny enough, like while I'm disappointed in losing any game, I still think looking at that team sheet, there's there's a lot of potential. I think that that if they stay at it, that there is progress to happen here because sometimes you have to you the decks have to be cleared whether it's them being cleared by management or by the players moving on themselves whichever way it works in order for something new to come in and and I think that that's probably where Cavan are at at the moment yeah I'd say it is yeah I'd say it is I think it's going to take a while and maybe they're better they'd be better off dropping down to intermediate for a year or two uh, trying to get out of that and build some forward momentum rather than just sort of hanging in there and surviving in senior and you know it's it's using up a lot of energy and I know you're exposing your younger players to a high level but it you know it's, it reminds me a little bit of Monaghan in played so many years in Division One of of uh, the National League and everyone's going around saying oh Monaghan brilliant look they've done eight years in a row but what good is it really to them like because it's it's expending so much energy for Monaghan. Um, to stay up in Division One of the league every year, whereas in reality the championship is where it's at, and I, I think there's an element of that possibly with Cavan Ladies where they're they're a little bit overmatched at times in in the senior championship in the last couple of years, and it has probably torn some some players off it. Um, it has probably just left things on a little bit of a of a low ebb. So maybe maybe they, that would be an idea that if if they were to go down, it, it mightn't be. The, be the worst thing that ever happened to them. The under fourteen ladies team that you mentioned there, the one they all Ireland. Just looking at that team sheet, Catherine O'Hearn was on it. I, I, I'm pretty sure Ashley Doughty, Christina Charters. I think that was it. That's all that has come through from that team to the seniors now. So I know that was only what, four or five years ago. Um, that was 
20, yeah, 20, 2018, they beat Dublin that day. Um, yeah. So it's five years ago now, like, um, so three of them have come through. Maybe that's not bad, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's see, it's hard to know. And again, they, they talk to ladies' football is, you know, girls develop different than boys. So are they ready at 16 or does it take them until they're 22 to be ready? There's a high dropper rate in female sport as well. Like, And I'm sure that ladies' football is affected by that as well. A lot of girls just drift away from sport and they get into their late teens. More, a lot of lads do too, but more so than, than fellas even. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I thought it'd be later on before we'd 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 get into an argument, but I I don't agree with your 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 theory of drop down and and it could be better for you. I I I personally always think you play at the highest level you can possibly play at, and that's you being at your best. Like if there was a drop down for for Monaghan, we'll say a drop down to Division Two and win Division Two. I don't think that'd be held in as high a, uh, or held as as high an accomplishment as staying in Division 1 for eight years. I don't personally believe it would be. So I I, I, I understand the point about silverware being being very important, but I still think playing at the highest level possible. Take Gauna, for example. If Gauna went down to intermediate in those barren years and you know some players stopped, stepped away, would the players who are after winning a senior championship have had the opportunity to do so? They could have been in an upright scenario where starting at a low base is mm. the level that they are introduced and therefore find it hard to find a higher level. I know, that's a, that's a very good point. But I, I think with the Monaghan thing, like Monaghan had a, a, not as strong a panel as some of the teams in Division 1. It wouldn't have been as deep, I don't think, when it came to like how many really top players you had. Um, like I remember um, talking to one Monaghan player. When I say I was talking to him, I was in the company and he, he was talking really... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in fairness he didn't just ring me up and say listen I'll tell you this but uh, uh, the point was made that they played Dublin and Monaghan had a big lead that day and I, can't, I think Dublin came back and drew the game Monaghan were like 10 points up or something Dublin came back and drew it and it was a massive massive effort by Monaghan and at the time like their stock was so high like and they were getting great praise but he was saying like it took 10 days to get over that and they had to go out the following weekend and uh, the same team went out again yeah, and and it was all like like we drew that game, so we need to go out now because we need to go and try to go to Castlebar and get something out of that if we're going to stay up here. And they had to play the same team. Was Dublin were able to make a pile of changes for their next game? Yeah. The net result of it was at the end of of seven very tough games, you were you were battling for every every kick of a ball, as it's unbelievable said, every puck's a funeral. It was barely contested, and what have you achieved at the end of it? You've stayed up. You're sixth in Division One, whereas. I just think that emotionally takes an awful lot of energy and physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, what was the harm if you if you if you drop down? Like, yeah, I again, it's it is just that that mindset in it. Like, which do you value more, playing at a high level or winning silverware? Yeah, but I I just think it might be counterproductive after eight years in Division One. To, to be focusing so strongly on the league when really and truly the championship is, is what matters in, in, in football league. And if there is one one um, criticism I would throw at Monaghan is for, for those eight years of Division One football, they didn't turn that into championship success. So they and the GA is all about championship. I, I, I do agree with you on that. Um, you know, they, they would have been better off and it probably took its toll. You know, they they, mm. they would have had, as you say, such an emotional and physical uh, journey to stay in Division One. Um, now, probably their their thought is that when we introduce new players and and we have three or four debuts each year in in the league, they're being introduced to the very best standard that's available to them at that at that particular period mm. in time. And, and what it did, what it did do, I think, Damien, was it forged a real bond with the supporters because they had loads of great days in the league. They had, in fairness. They were they were as good as most teams in the league in that time, like and they were fit to go toe to toe with even Dublin and Kerry and teams like that. And it, it they brought the supporters literally on a journey. Yeah. In the league. When they came to the championship, like they got two Ulsters out of it. Um, which was fantastic considering they hadn't won Ulster since eighty eight. But that but was like, way back now. Like that was that was, that was twenty thirteen and fifteen. Yeah, like we're yeah. into twenty twenty three now. Like They've had some bad championships too. For a Division One team, like they were knocked out of the Ulster Championship by Fermanagh, they were knocked out of the Ulster Championship by Darren. You know, Cavanagh put them out a, few, a couple of times, uh, which they wouldn't like. So, 
I, I think they probably they probably would be would have been better served shifting their focus. And now um talking to some Monaghan lads last night actually and they were saying that uh, they're gonna be down some bodies now. Niall Cairns has, has opted off the panel and um McInespy has opted off the panel. Actually Cairns has gone to Australia as well, same as Cavins midfielder Thomas Galligan. McInespy's opted opted off the panel. Uh, I think um Mohan as well might be off the panel. So they're down a few bodies as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Monaghan go this year. Yeah, it will. It will. It'll uh and actually the telling on Monaghan, whether I'm right or wrong, in, in, in my own head even, will be if they do or when they, they drop down to division two, do they then drop down lower? Because if if they if they go to the division two and are comfortable in it and hold their own or go straight back up again, then it means that the player that, that they've introduced through playing division one is a high standard of player and therefore will will keep them up at the top ten, you know, in the top ten teams in the in the country. But if they go right down to division three, then all of a sudden it 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 changes the argument that the players weren't better for their um their time in division one. So only someone time. someone sent me a link speaking of the top ten, someone sent me a link to the Hogan Stand forum which I which I never look at. Uh, because there was a comment on it where someone says, uh, according to the podcast, we might be missing three lads Sunday. And some lad says, well, if it said if they said on the podcast, then then all three are going to start, right? So fair enough. But uh, <laughs> there was one comment on it by by a Westmead man. It was a rare, sort of insightful comment on on that forum, and uh, he he was saying, why are Kevin so cocky? He said, Kevin Kevin thought they'd walk the Tatchen Cup last year. They were looking in the nose at the Tatchen Cup, and he said. Um, that was mainly you, though, to be fair. <laughs> well, I, I didn't. I want to say I thought we'd walk it, but I was looking at my nose at it. <laughs> um, but he, he said, look, Westmead are, are a Midland team. We're Division 3, and we're, we deserve to be in Division 3. And he said, Cavan are the same. Yeah. He said, Cavan people need to accept that. And he said, Cavan haven't beaten a team in the top 20 of a, in Ireland in come back, come back three years now. Go back to 2020. The top 20? Have we? Did that top 20 fluctuates so much? What team in the top 20 in Ireland have we beaten? We've beaten nobody in the top 20 on league standings. Have we not? I, I, I'd have oh, sure. We were in Division, we were in division yeah. 4. Possibly, may, maybe Longford in the league in, in 2021. But like, would, Down, get... would Down not have been top 20 last year? They would have been. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Was there... Was there... Was the thirteen teams worse than Darren last year? Or fourteen teams? I don't think so. I thought that Darren were were brutal. Like, yeah. Well, if we're talking, it depends how you define top twenty. Top twenty essentially to me is your division one, division two teams plus the top top four in division three. And Darren were definitely in that bracket last year. So they were relegated uh, from division two, wasn't it? Last year, Darren were relegated from from division two, were they? Yeah. And we were relegated from Division Two last year, so that was. Yeah, but the last, I don't know, just because they were in Division Two, they didn't win a game. But the, but even in Division Two, can you safely say that they were in the bottom half of Division Three standard on last year's performances? I don't know. Oh, I think so. I think it's I think it's too very. Okay, well let's okay right let's okay we're gonna nitpick it here, Damien. Let's okay. say they were, let's say they were nineteenth. Yeah. So we we beat one team, and I don't think they were. I think they were, they were. The worst down team I've ever seen, but Cavan playing against anyway. They were shocking and they were totally apathetic. They didn't even want to be there. But mm, I don't necessarily it, agree with that. Their captain said, I don't care about the Talchon Cup. Before he said he loves it. Yeah, yeah, but that was before he got a big steak and, <laughs> and got put up in the Crow Park Hotel. <laughs> that was actually funny. That was we should have included that in the wackies. What a, one of the greatest U turns ever. It was, it was unbelievable. Because <laughs> when he was he, he when he was asked about it the second time, he was like, "You know, what? I thought about it. this Tyson Cup's brilliant." Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do love though, but I was thinking this the other day um, about you, 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 you. A lot of the arguments that we have on these podcasts, you use time to prove that you're right. So eventually you you become right in it. And I was thinking to myself, you're like a, a, a person who 
bought a house in the absolute peak of the Celtic Tiger. <laughs> I know this is going. It was a good investment. It was a good investment because now it's back ahead of where where it was. <laughs> it takes twenty years for you to be right sometimes, and, and, and you're going to wait your time to get there. Yeah, no, the long runs the fox, Damien. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy enough to wait wait to be right. The wheel will always turn. That's it, and a broken clock is even right twice. Yeah, and has, has hope in it as well. Has hope in it. Anyway, we'll we, we'll move on because um, speaking of of listeners, uh, we had a, an email sent in. I'm not going through the entire email, um, but there was a point made in it here. We'll just start off. It says, uh, "Lads, as always, thanks for the ongoing entertainment." analysis and arguments to make the podcast such fun to listen to. When I listen back to the wackies, I was wondering if managers should be nominated for breakout season. Surely Martin Dunn, after his first year in Drum Lane, would have been worth a shout. Harshly losing in an Ulster final, or sorry, harshly losing out on an Ulster title after getting an absolute tanking in their first championship match. That's not a bad start to a managerial career. I think in fairness, that's a very valid point. We we probably overlooked maybe managers, but Martin Dunn in his first season as a as an out and out manager, um, he couldn't really. Well, sorry, it could have gone better because he was good enough. He had produced a team that was good enough to win an Ulster title. And actually, in my thoughts after seeing the All Ireland final, would have been closer than even Stewartstown. I think. I I think. I think Jim Lane were better than Stewartstown, and Stewartstown really ran Fossa. To the to the end of the line, like I, I, yeah, I think Martin Martin Dunn. That's a hell of a breakout season as a manager. Yeah, I didn't see the the Fossa Stewartstown game. Now, to be fair, I was I was following it on Twitter, but uh, yeah, you have to. Jesus, absolutely, like to get to the Ulster final, to win three games in Ulster, and and to come through the Monaghan and they came through Monaghan and Derry, didn't they? Like, but, yeah, yeah Monaghan and Derry, and and. You know, as I said at the time, I don't consider them to have lost that Ulster final to Stewartstown. I'm not a fan of penalties. And to be fair, even if they had won it, it wouldn't have changed my opinion. Well, maybe it would. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think they lost that. They just lost it essentially on a coin toss in the penalties, in my opinion. So that's that's unbelievable. Like Monaghan and Throne have towered over that competition. So they, they did it the hard way as well in Ulster. And we were talking about that junior championship as as the best standard of a junior championship that we could remember. So that has to be taken into account too. So absolutely, absolutely. I think he, he had a, he did a brilliant start to his managerial career. I can't remember who we gave the, the, uh, the breakout season um, award to, but you might have to share with Martin Dunn. I, I don't know what the award was. I don't think he physically got one. <laughs> but <laughs> no, just... yeah, it's, it's worth recognizing. All right. That that was, that was overlooked because it was one hell of a, a season. Um, okay, Paul. Let's get into an argument. If if you if you can facilitate me on an argument, and I know you don't like to argue in general. You're you're generally a passive sort of a, a fella. But yeah. where do you sit on Glenn Watty Graham's versus Doctor Croaks? Is that is that the the battle, or is there another? No, I'll fight. I'll fight you on that one. Um, I don't have I don't have a massively strong feeling on it. But my my sense is that if it was an earlier round, yeah, okay, maybe you could you could dig your heels in and say it's an earlier round. Uh, the stakes aren't as high. People would say, well, look, it doesn't matter. It's the first round or the final. There's still a championship on the line. You're playing for a championship. Your ultimate destination is the final whistle in the in the final match. But I think the cup has been presented. I don't think there's any way of proving that Kilmacud did what they did intentionally. I think the elephant in the room is that it was again incompetence by the officials. And that's the elephant in the room on an awful lot of these, of these controversies. That the, the officials are incompetent. and They didn't do their job properly. Kilmacud are saying apparently are saying that they were in the process of making substitution and uh, Talon took the 45 quickly. Never should be allowed to take it. What were they supposed to do? Yeah, and, and you know what? When I watch back the, the clip on it, you can actually identify the referee has his arm up to, say, halt play. But the referee didn't blow the damn whistle. Yeah, He didn't actually blow the whistle to stop it. Say, no, 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 I had my arm up. Wait until my arm is down, until the substitution is complete, and then you can take the 45. I completely agree with that point. 
But I also agree that, unfortunately, true human error of of the officials, in my opinion, there were 16 players on the field. And if that's not dealt with, we have consequences in the GEA that, that, that will last on, that will basically, it's setting the precedent that, okay, well, you can get away with this situation. And I, again, this goes back to where I had, I think it was in the Celtic on the article last year, that, that for whatever reason, breaking rules is the norm in the GEA. It doesn't really matter whether it's Tyrone on their 20s, Talking out thirty six for the Ulster final last year, and us being made talk out just twenty four. There's there's no punishment. It doesn't it doesn't really matter, and we see this across the whether it's the number of steps you take, whether it's throwing the ball instead of hand passing it properly, little things like that. We we just seem to ignore certain rules, and this is the problem that I have with it is that there were sixteen players on the field. The officials on the day should have dealt with it, but when they didn't. I think the GEA should have dealt with it. I think that personally the GEA should have stepped in on the Monday and said, okay, there was an infraction here. It went unnoticed by the officials. Let's look at this scenario and deal with the infraction. And the GEA could have come out on Monday for me and said, look, we've looked at this, we've sat down, we've studied it, and there was an infraction. The three penalties available for us are um, we offer the game, we, we, we award the game to Glenn, we order a replay or we fine Kilmacud. And I think in that situation, they could very easily have just said, we're going to fine Kilmacud here um, and, and, and you know, make it a minimal fine and move it on and say, look, we're fining you because you had 16 players. There is a responsibility on the team um, to make sure their subs are off the field. Um, and that, that is in the rule book. So therefore, I think Kilmacud with a small fine would have said, okay, we, we agree with that. I don't think Glenn would have objected to that, I think the whole thing would have been moved on and done and dusted by now. Well, so what you're saying is it should be swept under the carpet. And I would I would be inclined to agree with it. You're saying just let's just give a nominal fine. Let's find them one euro or, or be it two hundred euro. It's not going to make any difference to their coffers really. Nominal nominal fee and let's just deal with this in by via the least stringent measure we can in our rule book and, and move along and say there's nothing to see here. That's what you're saying. For the simple reason that I don't believe Kilmacud intentionally done it. Mm. I think that, that, therefore, there should be the minimum penalty on it. Now, what it also does is it changes, and, and by the GA coming out and saying, well, these were the three options available to us, it means that a manager in the future who's thinking about trying it out and trying to test and see can he get his 16th player on, he's aware of those other punishments, and it being deliberate in that case, then you can award the game to the opposition. So I, I think that mm. I think that by dealing with it, but not in a severe manner, given the circumstances that it wasn't that, it, sorry, it, for me, it didn't look like it was a deliberate thing by Kilmacud. Um, I, I think personally that, that, was, that that's enough for it to, to be dealt with. But I think the GA dropped the ball badly on this one. I think by saying to to the to the clubs, well, we're not going to do anything about this, but you can. I I just think that it it, it had a bad look for a governing body not to govern. You see, the the problem I think is that the rule book is the same for a televised all Ireland final played in front of tens of thousands of people as it is for a junior C uh first round league game played on the three G in front of ten people. Are we to say that that the GEA need to intervene? Because in the rule, and Joe Brawley really fermented it. I think Joe Brawley, obviously he's a barrister, but I think he probably should have stayed out of this because it's his own county involved. And it just look, you know, it it, it does, it does. Uh, Joe, Joe Brawley stayed out of it. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Attention to be had. <laughs> it smacks of bias, I think, that that he didn't have a dog in his fight, but when out of the dairy team, are, are perceived to have been wronged, he, he's straight into it. I think there's a few things to play. One is that uh, it's the small club against the big club. That that David and Goliath, that has been a been, uh, point that's been made loads of times. And the point was made to me that Glenn have a very high-profile management team. Uh, I would imagine that their their senior setup is extremely well-resourced and well-funded um, because they look to be prepared very well. 
So yeah. they're not that small. I don't think Den are not, or Glen are, are not Den. <laughs> they're not Red Hills or they're not whoever. Like, uh, so that's one thing that, that again, there's there's a lot more to that. There's a grey area there. It's not just the big club against the small club. Uh, and and Joe Bradley actually said that this is an anti-Northern thing. Like, yeah, that's that was ludicrous, ludicrous. But again, it's, he's a barrister; he's throwing everything he can at it. Um, I I I I take that a little bit on board. And do you know what it 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 um, emphasised to me the importance of optics, the importance of perception, because the whole Shane Walsh thing. Uh, which is completely irrelevant to this discussion and has nothing to do with it, has made its way into it. Oh, it's, it's, you know, oh, well, should have went and got Shane Walsh over and, and, and now they've got this. It, the, the two things are not connected in any way at all. But the perception of it is that Pilmacud back in January or in, sorry, back in September, October time, had a transfer which got national headlines and kept in on front pages for for whatever period of time and now they're back on it again and it's this thing of you know it's it's more the Kilmacud or the Giants that are killing the smaller clubs mm. you know they're taking the best players from the smaller clubs and now they're they're taking this unfair stance on it mm. it, it, it shows the importance of perception it does yeah it does like I, I saw somewhere online where some someone made the suggestion <clears throat> that Dublin County Board should bring in a bylaw that you can only transfer in uh you can only transfer in players from another county if you are not a Division One club. I thought that was a great, great idea. So there's, there's a, there is a, a pathway then for for genuine case. And I'm not saying Shane Walsh wasn't a genuine case, but there's a pathway there for genuine case. But nobody can say, oh, you're only glory hunting or you're only bringing yeah. in players to win something because you're not in the top flight. You're not going to win the Dublin Senior Championship. Mm. Uh, and is, so you can't accuse the lad. Oh, you're you're leaving your home club and transferring up to win it an intermediate or a junior championship in Dublin or a senior two or whatever they call it. I don't think that would, that would be the case. But anyway, we're going off, we're going off the point. I, I personally think uh, Kilma Cole won the game fair and square. The 16 man, I know he was back there on the line or whatever. I Really and truly, are we really saying that if he wasn't there, that then we're going to win that game? Like, that's a stretch. No, that's a major what, stretch. But what we're saying is that, to be fair on this, it, it makes a difference. A 16th man makes a difference in there, right? So you're you're defending and you're defending a goal. You know a goal is the only thing that, that can deny you this All-Ireland. So I'm on the field, I'm on the goal line, I take up a position and I look around me and I say, okay, that's covered in front of me, that's covered in front of me, that's covered to my right, that's covered to my left, all those areas are covered. But if one of those players aren't there, I change my position. Mm-hmm. I, I, it might only be two meters, it might only be a meter, but I change my position. We don't know the effect of all of those changes of position with one person less on the field. I'm, I'm saying the probability is still very, very slim that that it changed. And that's the, and that's the key, Damien, because it's yeah, I agree that you know every 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 stone that goes into the lake has a ripple effect here. But and and, and everything would have changed. Every lad would have probably been in a different position. Yeah, really. If you took that one player out, every fella that was on, in that half of the field was in a slightly different position. The chances of them working a the goal was very, very slim. And I think, in the spirit of things, I'm surprised that they've objected to it because the cup has been presented. Like, look at Cavan in in '97. Like, like there was talk. Don't bring, you know, Don't bring that up. Why? Why would you do that? I don't know. Was there anyone from Glen on on that on that team, uh, the Derry team '97? But like. Derry were very sporting in that sense because there was there was talk. If you look at the the newspapers on the Monday, the final was on the twentieth of July. The newspapers on the twenty fourth of July, there was talk that that there was an avenue of appeal open to Derry because Cavan kicked a wide like that was given as a point, and Derry immediately poured cold water on and said no. Cup is presented. Cavan won the game. Best of luck in all Ireland semi final. I think that should be the way. It, it, look, don't get me wrong. It's it's very regrettable, but Kilmacud I think have have led. I know there's screenshots and stuff going around, but. Obviously, they're briefing the journalists as well because everyone has it um, on all the newspapers. The Kilmacud are not going to replay the game. They'd rather give the cup back than replay the game. So I, I have a feeling that they might have pulled the legs from under the whole thing by by coming taking that stance because really and truly, like everyone kind of thought, oh Jesus, well it's up to Glenn, it's up to Glenn if they're going to object. 
the, the game will have to be replayed. It won't have to be replayed. I don't think it will be replayed. I think, I, I, and I honestly think this this is where my where I'm most disappointed with the entire process is that Glenn were put in a position that I feel they had to object. I, I genuinely do feel they had to object for the betterment of the of the of the game, for the betterment of the GA overall. But they were put into that position because the GA didn't deal with it. In in the scenario that I was proposing earlier on in, in the podcast saying that the GA tried a nominal fine to kill McCud and say, look that's it, but you still you still won the All Ireland. I think Glenn would have accepted that. I, I genuinely believe that Glenn would have just gone, Yep, yeah, that's fair enough. And they still would have had the opportunity to appeal but they just they, they wouldn't have done so. I think that they had two things on their on their cards that one, okay, you know, we appeal it because maybe we'll get a replay. But two, what's the right thing to do here for the GA? And I, I, I do believe them appealing was the right thing to do mm. for the GA. I just felt it wasn't it shouldn't mm. have been there that had to do I know it. I know what you're saying, and you made that point to me the other day as well, and it was a fair it was a very fair point that if if they're not seen to come down hard on this, like Managers will try it. Like there's, there's, there's yeah. lads out there that will try anything. So, so definitely. But I never finished the point I was making earlier, which is that the GA is bound by by procedure and bound by the rule book. But it's shambolic in ways that the exact same rule book applies, as I said, to a massive national televised final as it does to the the lowest game with nobody at it. So, as Brawley was saying, there is an avenue open there for the CCC to investigate it themselves. But that avenue is not really open. Uh, in comparable cases, if the game isn't being streamed live or whatever, so that's probably that's possibly why the GA were were basically the rule isn't fit for purpose because how can the CCC go and look at a video of a junior C game if it doesn't exist? So you're basically applying different. You've got different sort of rules for different sort of games. Well, no, but yeah, I I know the point you're making, but so therefore, do you think that you should not use video evidence in any game? Because they're not there in all games. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm not saying that. I'm just teasing it out. Like, you know, essentially then you have a different uh, rule book or a different interpretation of the rules for different levels of the sport. So should we have, like, why is the rule book equally applicable to different levels of the game where, you know, some are televised, some are streamed, some have HD replays, some have... Some barely have a, a referee moving right from the from the middle of the field. Well, for that simple reason, that's why you apply the same rule book because whatever you do have available, you've got to make a decision on on the evidence you you have available. So, therefore, the, the more high profile games, you're going to have more evidence available, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's a different rule book. I don't I don't personally buy that. I think that you know the the idea is that. Well, if the rules are broken and we can prove that the rule has been broken, then therefore the CCC are the governing body that need to deal with this situation. It's not. I I, I don't I don't personally buy that side of it. I think that that's like saying if 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 I if I hit you a box in in I'll, flat, I'll flatten you, but go on. You'd not you'd not if I hit you a box on the corner of Bridge Street and there's no cameras, but on in the middle of Main Street there are cameras. The same rule applies. The same. Yeah, rule I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, okay, maybe, maybe fair enough. Maybe I was going back up the wrong tree there, but I, I think that the rule book probably needs needs a lot of tightening up on different areas like that. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff in the GA that's archaic, like, like even in terms of HR, there's things in the GA that, that need an awful lot of tidying up. Like, like there's, there's, uh, whatever it is, twenty eight different companies employing staff in the GA across the board, like. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I was actually told that by Kevin Shields in an article a few weeks ago. Um, there's like, there's something like fifty-eight different job titles and twenty-eight different companies because there's it's it's just a really messed up different layers. And the GA are trying to untangle all these this HR web at the moment. Just it's it's probably because the association just sort of grew and grew and grew organically and yeah, maybe right. HR. HR law probably wasn't what it was at the time, and you know maybe maybe yeah. You know, for example, I don't know, but maybe Pierce Stadium was being redeveloped, and the best way to do that was to was to invest it in a company. So if you're if you're working at Pierce Stadium, you might be a GA employee, but you're directly employed by this company who runs a stadium or whatever. You know these sort of legal things. But the rule book is a little bit like that too. There's parts of it that just 
uh, it's probably not fit for purpose and not clear enough. And the thing is, if this goes to the DRA, it's anyone's game really because because they can get you on a technicality in there, like, and they can throw you out because you didn't lick the stamp properly or something. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's that's probably where the most frustrating part around the GA is 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 that end of it that it's yeah there there are so many ways of of avoiding the rules or or breaking rules and getting away with them. So it's um yeah. Anyway, Joe so, uh, Paul, I'm going to take that as a win. So I am. I'm, I'm I'm winning a lot of these arguments lately. I'm delighted with them. Yeah, I I don't know. You talk. <laughs> I asked Kevin Egan, uh, who wins between Kilmacud and Waterford? Kevin says, and you can listen back, <laughs> Kevin says, Kilmacud are favourites against Waterford. Uh, he would make them betting favourites against Waterford. Probably, probably favourites. And you said to me, yeah, that's a win for me. <laughs> <laughs> Only don't know who can be that fun. Because I, I, I think that that's, I'm saying that, yeah, Waterford could win, whereas you were saying that Kilmacud would definitely win. And and that's I I so that's where I'm saying that that the possibility of Waterford winning that game is 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 there is and is probably higher anyway. We're not getting into no, that. not get, not getting into that. <laughs> Folks, thanks very much for listening to the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast. Best of luck to Cavan ladies. They travel out to Tipperary on Sunday, and to the Cavan lads who take on Westmead in Mullingar on Sunday as well. So best look to both teams. We'll have a reaction on our Die Hearts podcast early next week. Folks, just want to bring your attention to our uh, We Are Cavan Fantasy Football League. The link to the league will be in the description below. But each week, tread the Alliance Football League. We'll ask you to pick your um, 16 winners across the four divisions um, and in that league, it's um, I think it's twenty euro to enter into the into the competition. But after round four, we will give the leader of our group, uh, we are Cavan hat, and the overall winner will get a we are Cavan jersey, um, from Kiko Sports as well. So, um, the link is below. I don't think there's any point in anybody entering it. I'm going to win the competition out anyway. But if you'd like to enter it, um, head on and in and join us on the link in the description below. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great stuff. And Larry has put it over the bar. It was hard, fast football after that. You're in Cavanese, yeah! Was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Cavan to get come back into the big time? And then the cave and it's over the lap and Cavan have them doing all they could to hold their lead. To Derek McDonald, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Vincent Cahill. What a day he is having. Oh, this is brilliant by Cavan. Dandy-legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah!